Good morning. It is good to see everybody here, um, and it's exciting to be here. Uh, we're a little out of order in our service, but we're kind of... Uh, making some room, making some adjustments. We have some people on vacation, some people out. Um, I want to give a shout out to Matt and Mark who are doing a tremendous job trying to uh, keep us on track today. And, and we want to pray for Mark and his back. He's going through some terrible back pain. So we want to keep him in our prayers. Um, I'm going to pray here in just a second for our offering. Um, but I also want to use this as a prayer time for you. Um, so take a few minutes as I'm talking and, and think about the things that are on your heart, the things that might be causing anxiety or fear, uh, maybe a loved one that is going through uh, a difficult time in their life. Um, whatever it is that's heavy on your heart, um, think about that, and we, I want to include that in our prayers. Um, God knows the, the prayers of our heart, and when we come together, uh, one mind, one body, one accord, uh, then God hears our hearts and he hears our prayers. So let us go to the Lord in prayer now. Dear Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this opportunity to gather together in one spirit, wherever we might be. Lord, help us to feel your presence in a very special way. Lord, help us to know you and to know that you are with us. Give us that peace that passes all understanding. Lord, we thank you for all that you have done, and we praise you for all that you will do. Lord, we lift up our hearts to you. You know each heart. You know each need. And so, Lord, we lift them to you now as this body of Christ gathered in this hour of worship. So, Lord, hear our hearts and hear our cries. Lord, bless our offerings, our offerings of praise, our offerings of service, our offerings of resource. Lord, we ask you to bless this time and bless our offering as we come today to hear from you, to allow your spirit to revive us, for our worship to uh, revive us, and Lord, for your word to sanctify us. Lord, we thank you because you first loved us. And now we love you with our whole heart, mind, and body. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, before we continue on our series, uh, just a few announcements. Remember the invitation to invite me to coffee, to visit for dinner, uh, Zoom meeting if that's uh, better, and it could be... Uh, your small group. It could be your family. I had a couple great visits this week. Uh, visited with the Lanes and a great family. Visited with the Carols. That went so well, they asked me to move in. Uh, well, I'm house-sitting for them, so um, that's what I'm taking it as. So I'm house-sitting for them two weeks. Uh, uh, Oreo and Rocco and I are getting acquainted. So uh, uh, Rocco's a little standoffish, but Oreo makes up for that. He climbs on the back of the couch and licks my neck. Uh, so he's, but um, so if I want to do that more, it's, it's a great opportunity for me to get to know you and for you to get to know me better. Uh, so I, I ex extend that invitation to invite me once again this week. I already have some set up. Just call or go through the process that Lisa has set up and we'll get that scheduled. 
Also, you heard Ashley mention this, but we're going to have, uh, after this short series, we're going to begin a series that is called Soul Reset. In this time of pandemic and upheaval and just, it's a good time to kind of reset our souls, reset our priorities, get our eyes fixed, as uh, Hebrews says, on Christ. And so that's going to be accompanied with a book that you can begin to order now on Amazon. I think we looked it up. Or if you need us to call and order it, we'll do that for you. Um, about $11, I think. And it's called Soul Reset. And we will continue to give you information with regards to that um, in the upcoming weeks. So, last week we talked about the witness of love. This week we want to talk about the nature of God's love. If we are going to witness to the love of Christ and to the love of God, then we need to know what that looks like, what that nature is. And so I want to talk about that a little bit today. And some of these topics are going to bleed over. Um, You know, they're going to kind of go together. Um, But our scripture today comes out of 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Uh, Listen for the word of the Lord. If I speak in tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong and a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but I do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects. It always trusts. It always hopes. It endures all things. Love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put my ways of a childhood behind me. For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully even as I am fully known. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. The greatest of these is love. This is the word of God for the people of God. So that chapter, we read the whole chapter, is known as the love chapter. And it talks about the dynamics, the aspects, about the very nature of God's love. And there's a lot of particulars in there. But um, 
there's some major factors that I want to draw out that it talks about. And first and foremost, when we, the Corinthian church was very divided, very divisive, had a lot of problems. And Paul comes in this letter and he says, listen, if we, this, this is my translation, my commentary translation. We can stop all that we're doing if we do not love one another. If, if the world sees us backbiting and, and treating the Lord's Supper casually and, and tearing each other apart and fighting constantly, we talked about this last week, then we've lost our witness, our witness of love. Because love is the foundation of who we are as Christians. Love is the foundation of Christ, of God, the Holy Spirit. We'll talk in a few weeks about God is love. And so love is the very foundation. It, it, without it, we are nothing, our scripture proclaims. It's like a water park without water. It's like a computer without electricity. It's like a body without oxygen. We need love as our lifeblood as Christians, as the body of Christ, as the church. A famous British commentator once said, where love is present, it matters not what is absent. And where love is absent, it matters not what is present. To, to, live, to love is to live, and to uh, uh, live is to love. I have seen people with everything that this world could afford. I have seen them with power and privilege. I've seen them with money and, and, and materials. Everything that this world desires, and yet they were unhappy because they had, did not know true love. And I've seen people on my trips to mission, or on my mission trips to Kenya, to Costa Rica, to Belize, different places. Uh, I think of oh, one family when I talk about this in Kenya, I always think about this one family. They had nothing, they had a hut with, window, with no windows. And they had a, did their cooking literally on an open fire outside. And grandma was there. And the family was there. And the kids were there. And cousins were there. And it was one of the happiest families that I've ever seen in my life. They didn't know because they didn't have stuff. They weren't supposed to be happy. But they had love. And so they had everything. That's what our scripture tells us. You can have everything in the world, but you, have, you do not have love. You have nothing. And so love is fundamental to who we are. It is the foundation of who we are as Christians. And so we need to understand and to know the very nature of what love truly is. Because we have taken love like we have as humans and done everything and we have co-opted it and made it into something we want it to be. Because we use the word love a lot in and outside the church. But what has happened is that we have taken this precious thing, this very nature of who God is, and we have injected ourselves into it. And, and that's what we tend to do, right, with all things. 
we, we tend to make it about us. And so when we say we love you or we love, we, we say I love Dr. Pepper, right? We say I love this, I love this, I love you. But we have made it about ourselves. We've kind of contaminated it. And really, we've done that with all things. C.S. Lewis said there is no such thing as pure evil. He said God made all things. So all things are good. But what we have done with the things God has given us, we have contaminated them with self. And all of a sudden, it becomes about us. We talked a little bit about this last week, that it is what you do for me, how you make me feel, how you take care of me. Different, the list is long, but we made it about us. But our scripture says very clearly that God's love is not self-seeking. But when it becomes self-seeking, then you get contaminated with all these other things. You're easily angered when it doesn't go your way. You envy what other people have. All these aspects come from a self-seeking love. When it's about us. And this idea of self-seeking, as we look for, further down, it's at the core of these other dynamics of the nature of God's love. The first one is that God's love, true love, endures all things. And let, let's stop and clarify that, that really God's love is the only love. It is true love. Everything is a false representation of it. But God's, God's love is true love. And our scripture tells us that it endures all things. In other words, in some places in scripture, it says that it is steadfast. It endures all things. And that's different than worldly love. Worldly love is very fragile. Because it's based on self. It's based on, as we talked about last week, on reciprocity. What, what can I do? What can you do for me? There's almost an unconscious barter system there. And the other piece to that, besides reciprocity, is that worldly love is focused on the object that is being loved. I love you, what, what do we say? I love you because you're so beautiful, you're so kind, you're so this, you're so that. That's all dependent on who? The object of your love. Well, the problem with that, that, that makes it very fragile because when that reciprocity stops or when you stop being that, then the love can go away. That's not a love that will endure all situations, that will endure all things. It is a love that is very fragile. We could apply the old saying of that kind of love. When the going gets tough, the tough get going. They leave. I've seen some marriages recently in my circle. 
People married 20 years. It's been a rash, 29 years. Different amount of time, and they're divorcing. And it's usually a case of, she doesn't do it for me anymore. I don't have that same feeling. I've lost that love, and, and it's usually blamed upon that person. The object of the love has ceased what made them in that relationship lovable. But on the contrary, well, let me stop and say, you know, I, I give bad compliments. Uh, but, but to me, they're the best compliments. If you really dig down, I, I was visiting with my wife this week and we went out to dinner. We had a date night. And I said, boy, you know, just, just transition and everything. We're, we're kind of a communal relationship. It made me realize how much I love you. And I went on to say, you know, you can be a little stubborn. And you can, I made a list of things that, you know, aren't the best. That, that I would say aren't her best qualities. And I said, but that's the amazing part. I love you even more. Now, on, that's not going to make a Hallmark card, right? Where you say, yeah, you're this, this, and this, but I love you. But the reality is, that is the best kind of love. Remember last week? Know everything about you, and I love you anyways. I know everything about her, and I love her even more. Because the good news of that, it's not dependent on her. No matter what she does, I'm going to love her. And that's the kind of love God has for us. Because God's love is not dependent on the object of his love. Thank God, right? God's love, true love, the nature of love is it is dependent, it is focused on the source of love. That is what makes it steadfast. That is why it can endure all things. So God's love is not dependent on me. God's love for me, praise God, is not dependent on me. And so it's going to endure all of my failures. When I fall down, when I backstep, when I do these things in my life, God is still going to love me. We see that story in the, the message of the prodigal son. Right? The boy disrespects his father immensely, asking for what isn't really even his at that point. And he goes and he, he, he one translation says, spends it on dissolute living. I mean, there, there's all kinds of reasons not to love this child. But yet, the father's love endures because it's dependent on the father's heart, not what the boy did. And so it endures all things. God, throughout the Old Testament, God is constantly trying to call out to his people to come back to him, to, to be in covenant relationship with him, to love him, to worship him. And what do they constantly do? They are constantly in and out. They don't, they're not faithful in the covenant. 
They begin to worship other gods and follow bad kings. And they are an unfaithful people. But constantly, over and over and over in the Old Testament, you see God saying, yeah, this is going to happen. God hands them over to the consequences of their choices. But then ultimately, always, the loving God says, but if you return to me, I will return to you. And I will be your God and you will be my people. That's what God wants from us. That is what God desires in us. So God's love is steadfast and endures all things because it is dependent on God and not on us. And this kind of love can endure hardships, can endure tragedies, can endure unfaithfulness. This endures all things. This is what allowed Christ to love Peter. To love Mary Magdalene. To call out to Zacchaeus. One of my favorite scriptures, one of my favorite stories is of Peter and Jesus on the beach. You know what led up to that. Peter is, he wants to be the leader. He wants to be the rock. He wants to be out in front, which is a problem. You're not supposed to be out in front of Jesus. You're supposed to be following Jesus. But he wants all of this stuff so bad, but he's dependent on himself, and he wants to be the one doing it. And he denies Jesus three times in Jesus' most desperate hour. He forsakes him. He denies him. And Jesus, on the beach, says, Peter, do you love me? Do you love me? Three times. He says, do you love me? And Peter gets frustrated and he goes, yes, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus says, okay, feed my sheep. Let's get busy. See, it's this kind of love that enables Jesus to love not only Peter, not only Mary Magdalene, not only his wayward disciples, but allows Jesus to love me and to love you. And that it endures all things. And there's no greater uh, example when we see this in the love of people. My aunt and uncle, they were very close to him. My father died of cancer when I was in uh, 2000, so he's like my dad. He didn't have kids. Um, and they've just been through a rough time. My, my aunt passed away two years ago from dementia. And they never had kids, and it was always them, and they were always a rock-solid couple. And, and it was awful for him. She went down fast in dementia, and mercifully didn't have to live with it long. But it was awful for him to be by her side and her not even recognize him. Her not being able to remember all of their life, all of their travels, 
all that they did. That was the hardest thing. But his love for her endured. And he was up there every day. And he was by her side even as his health deteriorated. You know, you think, how can I do that? How can he do that? That is so painful. But it is the love that he has for her that allows him, that, that makes him endure that. When people, a spouse, fails us, it is that kind of love that endures troubles in our marriage. It is that kind of love that endures struggles with our children. It is that kind of love that endures illnesses, deaths, losses of job, sickness, craziness of a pandemic. We endure it because we love those around us, because we love God. God's love is steadfast. And the second aspect it's self-seeking. It's not self-seeking. It endures all things. It is steadfast. Our scripture tells us uh, the, the last attribute I want to talk about God's love today is it never fails. Even and especially in the face of our failures. God's love will never fail. Even when we fail. It is never more evident that God's love for us never fails when we fail. Yet God still loves us. And when we love others with the love that God has for us in the midst of their failures. Anybody at home, the few that are here, has your spouse ever failed you? Don't put anything on the screen. We, we don't, we, I don't want to know it. Has your spouse ever failed you? Has your, have your children ever failed? And yet you love them just the same. And I might say, with a hurting heart and a broken heart, in that moment that you feel for them, you might love them even more. I've had to sit with friends, a friend of mine, watch his son get involved in drugs and go in and out of prison, his only son. A saga that went on for years. And he had to make parameters and he had to make boundaries and he had to do that, but it never, it, he never stopped loving his son. In all the midst of all the failures, all the crimes, all the troubles, a father's love for his son never failed. I've had to go alongside with a family as their son and their husband and their dad Watched him go in and out of jail for a drug addiction. 
And, and there was a time when he was in one of my churches and he was in a young men's group. And boy, he had been in prison and he had come out and there was hope. And he was in this group of young men that I mentored. And oh, he was doing so good. And then I moved away and the group stopped kind of faded away and the support he was getting. And after all that he had done already, I was heartbroken when his mom called me and said he's back in jail. And his kids were heartbroken. And his wife was heartbroken. And yet, I mean, even, even to me, it's amazing. To this day, their love does not fail. They continue to support him and continue to try to lift him up. So this is the nature of God's love. It is steadfast. It endures forever. It is not self-seeking. And it endures forever because it's not dependent on the object of the love, but it is dependent on the source of the love. And thus, it will never change. It will never fail. In Psalm 136, it, it's a psalm that it, it says, let's praise the Lord because his steadfast love endures forever. Let's give glory to the Lord because his steadfast love endures forever. And then it goes through some litany of all God has done for us. Who delivered us from Israel? His steadfast love endures forever. They begin to remember all that God has done for them. And it says their steadfast love endures forever. And so in this time of pandemic, in this time of, of just our altered lives and chaos, let us remember that God's steadfast love endures forever. And pray that prayer. When you start to get down, when you start to uh, be worried about the future, Start to have anxiety. Think about what bothers you and remember that in the midst of your hard times, on the top of your mountaintops, it does not matter. God's steadfast love endures forever. So think about that. Find those things where God has helped you where you have felt God's presence, where God has pulled you out of uh, things, where God has loved you through your mistakes and your failures, your predicaments, your hard times, and remember and say aloud, God's steadfast love endures forever. And that is all that we need. To remember that God's steadfast love endures forever. Let us pray. Dear Lord, I thank you that your love is not dependent on me being good enough, holy enough, right enough, being enough. But you love me not because of me and who I am but you love me because of you and who you are. And so that love will endure forever. It will be steadfast, whether I'm doing what I should be doing or whether I'm not doing it. Lord, I know that your steadfast love endures forever and it will see me through. 
So, Lord, I pray for each one that is hearing this prayer. And for, for those that might not, Lord, that they would know deep in your heart that your steadfast love endures forever. It endures all things. It is eternal. It will never lessen. It will always be your love. So, Lord, help us to know that. And as we come to communion, Lord, let us remember that we saw your steadfast love that endures forever on the cross. When Jesus showed the greatest love of all, when he gave his life for us, that he gave his life that we might have life abundantly in this world and eternal forever with you. So, Lord, we ask you to bless these elements. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.